Welcome into the Musketeer Report podcast. Paul Fritschner, Rick Broering with you. And Rick, as we record this, it is Monday, January 16th, the year 2023, and the Xavier Musketeers are ranked number eight in the AP poll. Can you believe it? Xavier with Sean Miller back at the helm right there in the top 10. It's incredible to say. And before we get into all of that, we're going to start. Somebody mentioned this on the board. I'm going to give you some pub for the Musketeer Report forum. Because I think there are people that want to join, want to talk about Xavier Hoops right now. There has never been a better time to talk about it. So for people that are listening to this that aren't on musketeerreport.com, can you just give a quick rundown of what to expect from there and just pub yourself a little bit on the board? Well, actually, I think this is a good time to talk about it because it's never been better in terms of basketball conversation. I think fans have been so frustrated over the last few seasons that now having this where the basketball is so high level and so much fun to watch and they hadn't really had this opportunity to talk about where are we going to be seated in the NCAA tournament and where are we ranked nationally and all of those things um, as, as the year continued the last few seasons. You get into February and it was like, oh no, things are collapsing again. So I think this has been a lot of fun for Xavier fans to go through this, and it's brought on a lot of great conversation on the message board at Musketeer Report. So uh, sign up. You can try it out for just $1 for the first month if you if you want to do that or get 30% off a, an annual subscription at any time. And um, it, there's tons of stuff going on right now in terms of the, the conversations on there. And hopefully we'll have a lot more good content coming up over the next few months. It- Xavier's number eight in this week's AP poll. I mentioned that around the Big East, Connecticut fell nine spots to number 15. We're going to talk more about the Big East at the end of the show. Xavier's now the highest ranked Big East team. Marquette actually moved up five spots. They're at number 20. Providence fell three spots to number 22. So still four ranked Big East teams. But let's start with this past week, Rick, and what Xavier's been able to accomplish. Xavier beats Creighton 90 to 87 at home. And then this past Sunday, beats Marquette 80 to 76 again at home. You're getting to the point where Xavier was trailing in both of these games at halftime. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, oh, it's all right. They're going to find a way to win this game. And that is such a different frame of mind than where I think myself and a lot of other people listening to this podcast have probably felt over the last few years where you're getting into a situation that's dicey at the end of the game. And this team has continued to find ways to close it out in the end. And to Adam Baum's uh, stat that he tweeted after the game, Sule Boom in the final minute of the uh, last three games is 16 for 16 from the foul line, and they have combined to win those games by 15 points. It doesn't matter how Xavier is winning these games right now. They are winning the games. And yes, you can say they're winning at home and the narrative has already already started to see the national narrative. Well, let's see Xavier win on the road, but it doesn't matter. They're winning the games in front of them and they're doing it in a convincing way. They're getting it done at the end of the game. Well, I think it's starting to get more fun too, because while you you still need some road tests that are that are coming up here in the end of January and into February, you are starting to win some of these games and find ways to win these games late against quality competition, especially the last two, the games against Creighton and Marquette. They were such fun games. And Sean Miller even said after the Marquette win that it was a game that either team could have won, but Marquette didn't find a way to win. Xavier did for the 11th straight time. And they keep finding those same ways to win. And it, it seems to always be a similar formula 
with Sule Boom closing it down at the end. And I just, I think at this point, we're at a spot where you can say this Xavier team is real. You know, when it was, they were 11 and three and, and they had just beaten St. John's and you're just getting into Big East play still and you haven't really quite been tested yet. I think you could look at it a little bit more and say, well, is this team good or is this a little smoke and mirrors? They're finding some luck in late game situations. They're avoiding a collapse at Cincinnati on the road, things like that. But you get this far into it. It becomes an 11 game winning streak and you're seven and zero in conference play. And you are beating a Creighton and a Marquette in back-to-back games like they did. All of a sudden it becomes a lot more real, I think. And um, that was one of the conversations that was going on on the message board this week of, I said, after the game, I think, I talked to Adam Baum and and John Fanta about this throughout the Marquette game that I'm willing to say Xavier's a potential second weekend of the the tournament team now. And that's not to say this team is definitely going to be in the Sweet 16, but they are good enough now where I could legitimately see this team winning two games in the tournament and being in the Sweet 16. And I don't think that's like a hot take or being a homer for the team you cover or anything like that. I just think from an objective point of view, you go 11 and 0 at any point during the season and 7 0 in the Big East, and you're where Xavier's at right now. I mean, you look at where they're at even in, in the bracketologist projections. That's the type of resume and the type of team that could make a second weekend run. Yeah, absolutely. And you look at the last bracket matrix update, Xavier was the third three seed in the bracket matrix update. Marquette was the third four seed. So you're talking about a second weekend game. And I texted that to somebody while I was watching the game on Sunday, where you're sitting there thinking to yourself, this is a high level NCAA tournament game that yes, is being played at home for Xavier, but still these are two really talented teams that both have the opportunity to go in deep into March. If their offenses are clicking at a high rate and speaking of the offenses clicking at a high rate, let's talk about that with Creighton, Rick, because this was not the prettiest afternoon. A lot of people had coming into the game talking about how this was going to be a game that maybe you could see one team touch 100. I know that was something that was was on our minds for sure, but the threes weren't dropping. Xavier shot just 28% from three. Marquette, they shot 25%. Xavier was five for 18, but they still scored 156 combined points. They still found a way to get up there, and Xavier touched 80. It, it, it's incredible what this offense is doing right now and overcoming some of those defensive inefficiencies. Well, with, with Xavier in this case and against Marquette, the offense was pretty consistent overall. The game slowed down a lot in the second half and you had 14 less possessions between the two teams than you did in the first half, meaning Xavier had seven fewer possessions on their side. So I think that's going to contribute to why you had such a lower score in in the second half compared to the first half. Um, And neither team shot quite as well as they did in the first half. Marquette was much worse. Xavier was a little bit more stable, but I think what you saw in both games a little bit, both Marquette and Creighton, but really in the Marquette game was I think you saw some guys tire out. Things got going so fast in the first half and there were so many points scored. And in the second half, Marquette just did not look as sharp to me. And I I thought Xavier was fairly, fairly similar to what they were in the first half. But to your point, I mean, they didn't shoot all that well in the first half either. So um, I, 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 one of the the topics of conversation that kind of came up after this game and, and it's been going 
for a little bit now is, is there something to the fact of when you get into these high possession, high scoring games, and granted, Marquette and Xavier didn't end up being that high possession by the end of it because they they really slowed it down in the second half a decent amount. But in these types of matchups where the score is getting into the 80s and you're trading baskets going back and forth like Xavier and Creighton and Xavier and Marquette just did, is there something to the idea of Xavier is used to this, it's who they are, it's their DNA, and they have a solution at the end of the games. They have a plan. They know how they're going to hang on and win these games. Is there something to them just being able to execute better and being more conditioned to playing this way? Or do you think eh, they just found a way to win a couple of close games against good teams? No, I really think that this is how Xavier is going to come back and start winning these games. I, I, You look at how Xavier is built and their offensive efficiency and the way that Xavier can score the basketball. What? What makes you think that they can't just continue to keep doing this? I think the sample size is large enough now at 18 games where you can start to think that this is a trend, that this is something that Xavier can keep up over the course of the season. Because a few weeks ago, right, we're sitting here on a podcast talking in mid-December about how it would be cool if Xavier would be on a seven-game winning streak going into that matchup against what could potentially be a number one or number two Connecticut, it ended up being number two. But we're talking about, well, you know, can Xavier get to seven wins there in a row before that Connecticut game on New Year's Eve? Now we're sitting here talking, can they get to 13 wins against DePaul and Georgetown? Can we get to 13 wins in a row before playing at Connecticut? It's incredible what this offense has been able to do. You're scoring 80 90, 88, 83, and 84. This team hasn't scored less than 80 points since December 20th. It's you're you're to a point now in my head where we've seen enough to show the consistency out of this offense. When you talk about the offense, too, one of the things that I think about is Xavier can score without having to knock down shots from the outside, that is, which means their legs getting tired if you are playing at a crazy pace and it gets up tempo in the first half their legs getting tired in the second half maybe don't matter quite as much as it does for some other teams because they are so good at getting to the foul line getting the ball into their big men on high low actions being able to attack with colby off of the bounce and maybe that's where they gain some of that advantage back in the second halves of these games is their opponents need to make shots at a higher clip and need to be more perimeter oriented. And when they lose a little bit of their legs and and their edge, maybe that's hurting them more than it is Xavier because of the style that they play on the offensive end. Well, and to your point there, Sule Boom was named the Big East player of the week this week. That's the third straight week that Xavier has had the Big East player of the week. And all three weeks have been a different player. Zach Fremantle was three weeks ago. Jack Nungy was last week. Now Sule Boom today. You have two guys down in the front court. Now you go outside to the perimeter. Xavier just has all these weapons. It's it's a wealth of options right now. And who? It is so wild to me that we are sitting here saying all this and talking about this. I I can't even almost wrap my head around it compared to what we thought could this could look like. Eight months ago. Yeah, I mean, just even in my most optimistic projections for this team, I never had it as protected seed and Sule Boom doing what he's doing. And really, we should we talk about him all the time, but he's been so good and so consistent 
in these big games, in these important moments. He is now the leading scorer in the Big East ball. He's averaging 17.6 points per game. He's shooting 44.4% from three-point distance. Now, they, they rely on Colby Jones to be a little bit more of a playmaker on the wing and Sule Boom to be a little bit more of a scorer at the point guard position than some other teams may. But he's still averaging 4.9 assists, which is seventh in the conference. So it's not like he's way down the list in terms of his assist totals. Colby is, is right up at the top of the conference. Where are you at with Sule Boom in terms of potential Big East player of the year and potential All-American even? Oh, I, I think he's well on his way to P- Big East player of the year. I think he's well on his way to that. I think it's well, I mean, his who, del- who else I, is in contention right now? Adam Asanogo was the Big East preseason player of the year, and he'd still definitely be in contention. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pull up the... Bryce Hopkins from Providence, probably. He's been really good, but I don't think he's been better than Sule Boom. Uh, I mean, and then who else after that? Really? Yeah, because Creighton, Baylor Shireman's had a really nice season, but Creighton right now is is four and three, and you, and I don't you, think he's not even close to being their best player. No, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. Who going down the top five teams? I'm just trying to think of who's. I mean. And the fact that UConn is struggling, and we'll talk more about the the Big East a little bit towards the end of the podcast when we do our Big East roundup, but the, the fact that UConn is struggling probably doesn't help Sonogo's case for conference player that's what of the I, year. Well, well, that that's what I was about to say is you look at Creighton or you look at one of those, usually you you pick from a school that's either winning it or toward the top. Yeah, and then, I, I mean, I, I like Marquette's not team. That, not that Connecticut won't be, but, you know. I, th- I think Marquette's very dangerous and talented on the offensive end, but who's... Who's their player of the year guy? Would it be Cam Jones? I mean, I just don't. It's Tyler Kolek is really the guy that makes that team run, in my opinion. I was going to say it's he's it's, not really a player of the year guy. I don't think in terms of his numbers. No, I think that this is Sule Boom's award to lose. And then as far as an All-American goes, the last two weeks, you've seen him. I mean, if you start reading these national articles and you start hearing, listening to podcasts, and you're starting to hear his name more and more and more. And that's what it is. That's the buzz he's getting. Well, one thing I have noticed just watching college basketball around the country, reading different articles, looking at you know stats leaders, there aren't a lot of great point guards right now in college basketball. Like there, I, I see a ton of really talented wings, especially some one and done guys uh, across the top conferences. But I mean, go through, go look through like the SEC and, and the Big 12 and look at a lot of their stats leaders and stuff like that. You're seeing a, a lot of big men and you're seeing a lot of really talented wings. I don't see a ton of point guards at the top of those lists, whether it be like the Ken Palm player of the year ratings or even just statistical leaders. I think Sule Boom has a reasonable chance to be an All-American. Absolutely. I'm I'm fully agree with you. And, you know, there's one name, too. Now that I go back and I think about it, Rick, there's one name, too, that I almost can't believe. It, it's again, I, I don't know how many times I'm going to say this in this podcast. I just I, it's so many things that. It's crazy what's going on right now with this. Normally, I would call you out for using that so much, but it's reasonable. Like it, th- that is really how this <laughs> whole year feels. Is it's just like I can't believe we're having the conversations we're having right now. You know what it is? It's Andy Menard from the Office with the "I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you've actually left them." That's right. what this is. That's yeah. I mean, for for people listening that might not like again, that's what's going on right now. Where Xavier's on an 11 game winning streak, they're playing with house money. It, it's you were just along for the ride. I think I used this analogy when I was writing the the Nuggets 
that I was writing it as the whole Sean Miller hiring process was taking place. And I, I compared it to, it's like dating a six or seven who then becomes a 10 after you break up. And then all of a sudden you get to get back with the 10 again. Yeah. That, that never happens, right? When they could become really hot after they leave you, it's like, you never get back with that person down the road, no. but you always think to yourself, man, how great that would be. Well, Xavier got back with the 10 or maybe Sean got back with the 10. However you want to do that. If you want to be a Xavier, a real Xavier Homer, but they're united and it's great. It's just like you dreamed it could have been. And it's like all working out. So yeah, I, I will forgive you for talking about how crazy each of these storylines are because they really are. It's hard to believe we're sitting here having all these conversations right now. But the one name I was going to mention that it's it's wild to say that we didn't even it wasn't at the top of the head because they're playing so terribly is Cam Whitmore, Villanova. He's not going to be the Big East player of the year because they're not playing that well. But if if they were contending for a Big East title, he would absolutely be the name. That's a good point. Yeah, he is a stud. And the problem for him is he missed a, a decent chunk of the season, too. So that would probably limit his numbers and, and hurt his chances at getting that type of award because he's going to be freshman of the year in the Big East. And he'll be probably a first-teamer or definitely a second-teamer, I would assume. All oh, Big man, East. He, he is so good. He is yeah. so... It is incredible what Villanova looks like when he is on the floor versus when he's not. It's funny because I think he and Arthur Kaluma, there are some similarities there for certain, but you just see the difference between, okay, this is what like a really athletic defender on the wing looks like. That's a great college player and fringe NBA guy or second round NBA guy. And here's what a lottery pick looks like. Yeah. Because like when you're preparing for him, they do a lot of the same things at the college level, but cams just, got that extra gear with everything he does. And offensively, he's just more talented. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, all right, Rick, let's talk more about how this week has gone and some of those storylines that we saw. Was there anything from Creighton? We talked about Marquette. Was there anything from Creighton that stuck out to you? Sule Boom had 26 in that game, a couple of threes. Kobe Jones had 20. Uh, was there anything that stuck out to you from the Creighton game? How about the first 10 minutes of that game? Can we just stop and appreciate what beautiful basketball we got to watch? And granted, it was pretty similar in the Marquette game on Sunday, but the first 10 minutes of that Creighton game were about as good a college basketball as you can watch if you if you like offense. Um, if, if you're a Richard Skinner type and you want guys taking charges and playing in the 40s and 50s, then by all means, it may not have been for you. But it's about as close to the NBA as you'll see at the college level with high level shot making and guys just absolutely surgically carving each other up on the offensive end. It was really fun to watch. Yeah, it was. And uh, I, I again, I go back to it where you keep getting all of these storylines that go into these games. And for the most part, these games are living up to the billing and they're exciting. And it's not like I tweeted this a, a couple last week. It's not like these games are being played in, like you said, in the 40s and 50s. And Xavier's winning a lot. Xavier's not Houston, where they grind you down, or those old UVA teams where they just grind you down. They'd win 50 to 42 or 60 to 54. And it's just, ah, well, we watched two hours of great defense and we call it a day. This is fun basketball to watch and even if Xavier steps on a landmine at some point I was I'll be honest I was I was hoping Georgetown would get it done today at at uh, Villanova just so that that was just off their backs before Saturday not that I think that Xavier's going to lose on Saturday to Georgetown but 
but it was coming down the stretch there. I was thinking, well, this this would be nice if they finally got it done right here in, in Philadelphia. Yeah, like don't get me wrong, Tennessee's towards the top of the country and and they're a good team. They're 14 and 3 and all that stuff, but it's a whole lot more fun to watch this Xavier team than it is to watch this Tennessee team. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like just the way they play and and te- Tennessee is what you were describing before when you're talking about playing those really low scoring games where you where you're grinding out wins and your your defense is elite but your offense uh, kind of looks like it's stuck in, you know, a, a decade or two behind. The Xavier team is anything but that. They they're just so much fun to watch. One of the other things that we talked about a lot on the message board this week and I thought there was some good conversation around it. To me, the defensive struggles for this Xavier team are becoming less and less of a concern as they get farther into the, the season and this winning streak. Part of that is just the obvious. They're winning games. Like, so yeah, of course, like if you find a way to win, then it's not as big of a deal as it would otherwise be if you were losing those games. But I've also seen some signs that and I think the Marquette game was a perfect example of this that this team might be able to sort of flip a switch defensively at times. And part of that is because they have a guy like Colby Jones, who is an elite individual lockdown defender. You can put him on the other team's best player or the hottest player for the other team. Like they did against Tyler Kolek for Marquette and slow him down in the second half or at the end of games. But it does feel like this team to some extent, and maybe this goes back into the other conversation I was having before about them finding ways to win these high-scoring, high-octane games at the end. But they can get stops in, during key stretches when they really need it most. And, and it kind of reminds me a little bit of like that 2017-2018 Xavier team when they got the number one seed where it was like, yeah, you wanted them to be better defensively, but they were so damn good offensively at times that it was like they'd trade baskets with the team, trade baskets with the team, and it the score might be fluctuating a little bit. They might fall down by five or seven, and then all of a sudden they'd go on a 17-1 to one run or a 25 to four run and they took control of the game and they find a way to hold on and win it down the stretch. It feels a little bit like that with this team. I don't know if they have the same makeup as that team necessarily. I don't want to get too into the like, Oh, they're, they're different because of this or that, but like just that aspect of being able to flip a switch, get key stops in big moments when you need it most and, and play pretty high level basketball overall, despite what the metrics say about your defense, I'm starting to get that vibe from this team a little bit. And I think that, again, they are capable of doing good things, like potentially making a run to the second weekend of the tournament, even despite all their flaws. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that was a talking point I wanted to get to. So we can just go with it right now. I think there is a time and place to start talking about Xavier and this team comparing themselves to 2018 and 2016, because right now, Xavier is 15th on Ken Palm. 2018, that team. They got up there. They they at one point were number 10 on Ken Palm, but they finished the season 15th. The 2016 team, they finished the season 14th on Ken Palm. On January 18th or January 16th, as we record this right now, the 2016 team was 16 and one on the season. They were four and one in the Big East. On January 16th of that 2018 team, Rick, that team was 16 and three, and this team is 15 and three right now. I know there are some personnel differences between the two teams, but if you really dig into it and you look at it, those teams were better defensively, but this team can really score the ball. And you're, 
I, I'm not afraid to go there and to start looking at those two teams. Well, to me, 16 and, and 18 are very different teams because 16 was more balanced. You had Jalen Reno. And I know like the main guys, Trayvon Blewett, JP McKeera, those are those are similar parts in yeah. terms of how you go offensively. But the one thing the 16 team had was they were so good on the glass and they were pretty good defensively because they had some real presences around the rim with Jalen Reynolds, James Farr, some athleticism on the outside as well. So that was a little bit different to me than the 18 team was where you were slower and you had Trayvon Blewett and Karim Canner on the court at the same time trying to guard people and, and stuff like that. So, uh, that team was never going to be as good defensively. And that's why they reminded me more of the current team. Now, granted that team, the, the 2018, 17, 18 team that was a, a number one seed and obviously had the, the crazy game against Florida state where they lost in the second round. That team was 57th in defense by the end of the year. Currently this, the Xavier team right now is 89th defensively. Yeah. So, now, part of that is you still have some stretch to make that up. I think the Xavier team is going to continue to, to lower that defensive efficiency number, and they'll get better as the season goes. But I also would say that I think this team has proven themselves this year to be right there with that 2018 team in terms of being elite offensively. I, they are really good and really consistently good. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm I'm with you, and I... I don't think it's too early to start saying, well, it, it, there are there are offensive similarities with these teams going out there and being able to score. But to your point, defending at a level where they can to win games, too. Um, Rick, is there anything else from this past week that we haven't talked about that you had um, in your notes or, or wanted to make sure we mentioned before we talk about the Big East? No, I think that covered most of the talking points coming out of these two games. I mean, what what a week. We we went into there saying, man, if you can get out of here one and one in these games, look at what you've got in front of you, a good opportunity for a couple wins with DePaul and Georgetown. Well, you're still undefeated in conference play going into the DePaul and Georgetown game. So now it's just crazy to think about what type of record this team could put together in conference play. I mean, we're even get to the point on uh, the message board where Nick is posting his the the win total distribution yeah the biggest I, I just had that that was the last thing I was going to say before we moved on that's great credit to Nick for doing that it's yeah take t- I mean we're just getting to the point where you're you're seeing eighteen wins has a six percent chance and nineteen wins has a one percent chance now for this team uh, it's just again to go back to your your point a few minutes ago just absurd to be even saying that. Yeah, and you compare that back to December 16th when he posted the first one, and Xavier had a 1% chance to win 17 games in the conference. Now they have a 14% chance. Xavier has a 50% chance to end with 15 or 16 wins on the Big E season. And then if you scroll down on the message board, uh, two posts underneath that, Matt Hackman, he has started tweeting out his conference tournament seating probabilities, which I always love when you get down into the into the nitty-gritty of the seating and everything else. But right now, Xavier has a 77% chance to end up as a top two seed in the Big East tournament. And to everybody out there that wants to breathe a sigh of relief or start looking at plane tickets for New York, there is a long way to go in the Big East season. There is a long way to go, and Xavier has to win on the road, which is one more thing I want to talk to you about, Rick, before we talk about the Big East. But... There is a 0% chance right now, according to his uh, simulations, that Xavier plays on Wednesday night at Madison Square Garden. 
and they have a 77% chance to end up as a top two seed. They are more likely than not, Xavier is, to win the Big East right now. That's crazy. It's crazy. But the last thing I want to ask you, how much stock do you give to the Xavier has to win on the road? Well, it's it's not that they have to win on the road because at this point you have won at UC. You've won at Georgetown, which doesn't mean anything, but you've won at St. John's, which I think is, is a fairly legitimate win. And you won at Villanova, which you can say whatever you want about Villanova, but especially for this Xavier program, that is a, a solid, solid win. So I don't think it's that you have to prove you can win away from home. It's not like they've looked like a completely different team. In fact, their offense has traveled really well away from the Centos Center. And I think that goes back to how they go about getting their points. Again, they don't rely so much on the jump shot. But you, you do have to prove that like playing at Connecticut, playing at Creighton, playing at Marquette, those are going to be really difficult games. So uh, to prove you're you're at the top of the conference and clearly above teams like UConn and Creighton and Marquette, you will have to go in and win a couple of those games on the road to have that supremacy. But aside from that, I mean, you're getting a far far enough into this biggie season with a 7-0 record that you can afford to drop a couple road games here. And you're still going to be in really good shape, especially with the way this conference tends to beat up on itself. So, yeah, I think that's probably a good place to leave the Xavier talk. And it transitions into just getting to our Big East roundup. I wanted to ask you, at this point, we're talking about Xavier and Big East supremacy and all of that. Xavier's the only 7-0 and team. You've got Providence at 6-1, and Marquette at 6-2, and Creighton's at 4-3, and UConn and Seton Hall are both at 4-4. Four and four. How many teams do you believe are still legitimately contending for a Big East title right now? I would still say five. Um, I would still say that the top five of Connecticut, Creighton, Marquette, Providence, and Xavier all still have a shot. I don't want to write off Connecticut just because of how well they played up through the end of December. Uh, it, my brain maybe is is warped there to think that they're better than they are because the last couple of weeks they have not looked good at all. And the one thing about Connecticut was to flip what we were just talking about with Xavier. They couldn't win on the road, but they were winning pretty handily at home. And then now all of a sudden they get blown out at home by St. John's and you're throwing that narrative out the window. So if Connecticut really falls off, then I would say just for how well Providence plays at home, and it just seems like Ed Cooley can really get everything out of his guys here in the last couple of years. I'll put Providence in there. I think with Marquette's offense, you can't write them off. Creighton, I'm not so sure. Um, but I would say Xavier, Providence, and Marquette are right there at the top. And then I, I'm not going to write off Connecticut. I think Connecticut is really good, and they've just had a tough couple of weeks. Now, now the question is, can can they figure it out? Right. Like what's what is wrong with this Connecticut team? The, the thing that I look at the most when I think about their flaws is a lack of point guard play. They really don't have a true point guard. Uh, Tristan Newton is an OK player. Um, and maybe that's being a little harsh. He's probably better than OK. But is he really a point guard in the Big East? I don't think so. And, and certainly not one of the best point guards in the Big East. So that would concern me a little bit. And the fact that they just foul so damn much going on the road, I think that makes it tough for them. 
Well, when you look at how the teams are stacking up right now, UConn is four and four in the Big East. Xavier's seven and zero. Oh. If you just look at the way that Xavier's schedule plays out, and you assume that Xavier doesn't pull a Connecticut and regress at all, Xavier has five quad one games remaining: at Connecticut, at Creighton, at Marquette, at Seton Hall, and at Providence. Xavier doesn't have a quad one home game left on the schedule. Four. Are there five? Because you figure Connecticut's not going to run the table the rest of the way. Are there five losses on Xavier's schedule right now? I don't. I don't know. I don't see five losses on Xavier's. Even if Xavier lost all of their quad one games, right. even if Xavier went undefeated at home and lost all of their quad one games, that's five losses. You figure Connecticut, the way they're playing right now, is going to lose one, and. Xavier would have beaten them once, potentially twice if they win again, which would be that fifth loss. Xavier beating Connecticut might knock Connecticut out of the Big East title race. And then then when you start to look down the list, that Wednesday, March 1st game at Providence very well could be for the Big East title. Very well could be. If you're circling, if there's anybody out there that's projecting, oh, I want to go to an away game, I know that's right before Madison Square Garden, and I have seen a lot of posts about going to the Big East tournament this year because you're starting to get the buzz, you want to get back there, want to get to MSG. What I will say is doing the Big East tournament is easier than you think it is. I know it sounds like a lot of logistics, but just for people that haven't been there before that are listening to it, listening to this and deciding whether to go or not, doing the Big East tournament is a lot easier than you think it is. You can get tickets through Xavier and you can buy an all session pass and those tickets will, they will sit you with other Xavier fans, but it is very easy to sell those tickets to other fans of other teams that want to go to their team's games as the week goes along. But if you start looking at hotels, you start looking at flights. I know CVG has a ton of flights on American to LaGuardia. That's what I take every year. It's a much easier trip for the week to go there if if you want to do that. And, and don't be too intimidated by, oh, I, I don't know if I want to be able to handle this for this week. But I, I digress that we can talk more it, about It's that an awesome board. trip. I, I couldn't agree more yes. with you. It, it, it totally recommend doing it. Madison Square Garden is an absolute palace. If you haven't been there yet, this would seem like a pretty good year to take a chance. Um, with the Xavier team, they're having a, an incredible season. If things keep rolling the way it is, this might be a good year to go check it out because it is going to be awesome. And if Xavier was to win the Big East, I'm not trying to jinx anything, but I know the follow-up question to that would be, how do I plan the trip? If Xavier was to win the Big East, they would play at noon on Thursday afternoon. So you wouldn't want to book yourself for a a Thursday night flight or a Thursday afternoon flight to catch a night game. Uh, But anyway, going back to what I was saying before that, if you're looking at an away game to go to, that game at Providence uh, on March 1st, there's a really good chance that that's for the Big East title because Providence only has one loss in the conference right now. Marquette has two losses. Creighton has three. You feel like the way they're playing, they're probably going to take two, three more losses. They'll probably end up with five or six. So when you break it down that way, talent-wise, I would say Creighton and Connecticut would be in the running. They've already stacked the losses, and you and you go back to the previous years of teams that have won the Big East. Providence won it last year with three losses. Villanova won it the year before with four. I mean, I'm going back 2020. Creighton won it with five. 
But you go all the way back, there hasn't been a team that has won the Big East since realignment with more than five losses. Five is the capper, which means Connecticut can only lose one more game. And if Xavier beats them next week or whatever, I, I don't see Connecticut running the table the way they're playing. That would knock them out. Well, and it's all just happened in the last five games for them. They've lost yeah. four of their last five. The one they won was a home win against Creighton, which is a nice win. So you look at this UConn season, you can say, well, you lose at Xavier, you lose at Providence, you lose at Marquette. That's not crazy. It doesn't mean your team sucks. That doesn't mean you've completely fallen apart. But then you have this home loss to St. John's where they got smacked around pretty good. They lose by double digits. What do you think about this UConn team now? Like It really becomes concerning all of a sudden. It's like, can they figure it out? I still think they're good. A few weeks ago, I thought they were clearly the best team in the conference. So I definitely think they are talented. They're good. They scare me from a defensive standpoint with all their length and toughness. But all of a sudden, after these last five games, it's like, I don't know what's going to happen with this UConn team. You almost wonder if something else is going on inside that locker room. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm very much with you on that. I agree because it looks like there's something off. And I don't know what it is. But there's something off with Connecticut right now, and Dan Hurley needs to get it figured out because this team looked like a national title contender, and right now, they didn't just lose to St. John's. They got they got smacked around by St. John's at home, and that can't happen. Yeah, and this wasn't like a game where St. John's got up big early and then just found a way to hang around and win. No, Connecticut was winning this game in the first half. And St. Yeah. John's just beat up on them the rest of the way. Uh, it was yeah. a, it was a really strong performance by St. John's, and I think they're actually a decent team. They finally got their movement, I guess. So yeah, to so get your at, movement, as you know, yeah. you saw the all access. Yeah, go, yeah. <laughs> man. They uh, they showed a a uh, commercial. They went to the like in the huddle with Mike Anderson a couple games ago. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, man, for anybody that missed the, he had a great timeout. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, man, for anybody that missed the all access game, I, I just saw two totally different Mike Andersons between what I just heard in the 30 second clip in the huddle and what I listened to for two hours a few weeks ago. But um, I, actually, I, I, one other thing, did you hear Ben Johnson? Ben Johnson was on an all access game against Ohio State the other day. I missed it. What'd you think of him? I, I I thought it was I thought it was really well done. Again, I Chris Holtman and and Ben Johnson went back and forth. Of course, Ben Johnson was an assistant here at Xavier under Travis Steele and went and got the Minnesota head job. Um, I thought I thought it was interesting. I I just I love that Fox is doing that more so than anything, being able there to listen and especially watching that game where I don't have any perspective on either of the teams in there. I'm just watching because I want to listen to the coaches. Um, and it was a great win for Minnesota. Great win for Ben Johnson because they really needed it. And they got blown out today by Illinois. Um, but Rick, anything else here? We're starting to get off the tracks here with some uh, some bigger topics of college basketball. Anything else that we haven't uh, haven't talked? I don't I don't, I don't think, think so. so. I mean, they've got DePaul coming up on Wednesday night and then you have Georgetown on Saturday. You got to think these are two wins. The game at DePaul, like I, it's a road game and DePaul, they beat Villanova a week ago by 10. So it's not like. This isn't a game you can just completely write off and, and assume you're going to win. But if Xavier plays anywhere close to the level they've been playing at, I just can't see DePaul's defense getting stops in this game. No, DePaul and then they Georgetown. don't rebound at all. No, no. And then Georgetown at home on Saturday. I don't I don't really have everybody knows what's going on with Georgetown right now. I will say I will say 
Georgetown comes out. They show a lot of fight. They're always in it in the first half. But then the second half, they just can't get it done. They have had probably four straight games where they've where you've gone into halftime thinking tonight's the night. Tonight's never the night. Prebo Spears is a dude. He's oh, yeah. a legitimately talented player. Brandon Murray is a legitimately talented player. Cutis Wahab is a, a real big man at 6'11". Uh, like, they have some parts, so they do actually concern me a little bit in terms of could someone lose to them? Absolutely, they could beat someone. It's actually more stunning that they somehow always find a way to lose these games because they do have enough yeah. talent to surprise you one time and, and pull out one of these wins. Like, their consistency in finding a way to lose for the last few seasons has just been... Quite honestly, it's it's sort of impressive. Yeah i <laughs> I watch a lot of I watch a lot of Georgetown hoops. Um, one I'm of my sorry. best, you and Doug I, Tift. Yeah, I, yeah. One of one of my my guys that I worked with last year in Bowie is a diehard Georgetown basketball fan. Goes to pretty much every game and uh, texts me after every game, and it just the texts just keep getting progressively sadder and sadder with everyone where they're right on the right on the edge, right on the precipice of winning a game but can't get it done. The one other thing I will say for people that maybe don't want to travel out to Providence to go to an away game, uh, the Butler tickets for the game at Hinkle Fieldhouse, if you haven't been to Hinkle, if you haven't gone to a game at Butler, that is traditionally a game that Xavier travels very well for at Hinkle. Butler not having a great year this year, but Dad Mata, I mean, that rivalry will will be restored. I undoubtedly in my mind, if Dad Mata gets things back and rolling there. I have seen tickets. I, I'm going. I will be there. Um, I have seen tickets start to get up there, maybe mid 50s now. But if you're thinking about it, that is definitely one that I would recommend going to. That's a Friday, a few weeks away. We'll talk more about that later. But if you're you're kind of projecting out as I see Ooh. ticket prices start to go up. A fr- you can do a whole lot worse than a Friday night in Indianapolis, too. Oh, I'm that, staying. Yeah, that, yeah, that might be a- one where you just get the hotel room and you stay for the night and you make it a night with your your significant other and all the do the whole deal because Indy's a great walkable city. That's exactly what we're doing. Me and yep. me and a big group of us were uh, we already got a hotel and, and we're going for the for the night and staying until Saturday. So perfect. It, sh- it should be a should be a good one. But uh, Rick. This is the end of our show here. I think next Monday we talked about potentially doing another live show, doing this version in spaces. We just had a lot we wanted to get to tonight with Creighton and Marquette. Um, But next week, coming off the DePaul and Georgetown games, we'll probably go back live maybe 8 or 9 o'clock again on Monday night. Look for a tweet. We'll we'll be posting about it. Um, But we'll probably do the podcast in Twitter form or maybe it'll be yard stream whatever it is we'll, we'll do a live one next week i think and that'll be on the on the edge of going to connecticut for, for that game big week next week that, season is flying by it is unreal 18 games in they only has 13 games left it's crazy it really crazy. is all right well we're we're done being the two most shocked humans on the face of the earth that's all we've done this, that's all we've done this entire podcast is just say how we are surprised and everything is crazy <laughs> <laughs> and and I shirts. don't feel like that's a, an unreasonable take to have right now. We're just speaking for everybody listening because you, you look at these threads and after so many threads of so much dissension and frustration and why this, why that, why this, why that? I think even when Xavier, and I don't think anybody thinks Xavier's going to go 20-0 in the Big East, even when Xavier inevitably loses a game, it's there's just so much positivity and and walking around on the concourse in between timeouts and and seeing the smiles on everybody's faces and everything. It's just been such a refreshing month of basketball that uh, 
Now let's we'll see if they can keep cool. it going. Stretch to thirteen. It's just fun to be talking about the basketball again, instead yes. of all the whining, complaining, all the other stuff. It's it's about basketball again, and it's been a lot of fun. So appreciate all the people that have chimed in on the message board because it has been really high level stuff. There's been a lot of great contributions from the posters on there where I'm not even putting up content. They're just doing all types of great things on the message board themselves that have been really good. So do that. And also check out the rebound rundown. We're going to record an an episode here for tomorrow morning. So be sure to check that every morning. You can subscribe to it and get it right to your podcast app. Thanks, Rick. Thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, we'll see you on Saturday. Safe travels to anybody going to DePaul. I know that's another one a lot of people get to. A lot of Xavier alumni up there. So uh, enjoy that game and see you on Saturday at Sintas.